and we're live. Hi, guys. This is Stefan Levera podcast. Today, this is episode 57. And so the podcast is focused on, on Bitcoin's economics and technology. So today, we're trying something a little different. And we're trying to put some of this material on YouTube rather than as an audio-only podcast, which is the typical way I've done these in the past. So just to quickly introduce my guest today, he is Alex Edelman. He is the CEO and founder of Lolly, which is a Bitcoin company that enables you to essentially earn back Bitcoin whenever you shop online. So I've been impressed about the way Alex has been doing some things with his company, and I wanted to get him on and just have a discussion about things like the psychology of newbies to Bitcoin and how can newbies be interested to join and um, be uh, enticed to come along and earn Bitcoin. So first of all, uh, thanks for coming on the show, Alex. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so look, let's um, get it started with discussion around the psychology of Bitcoin for newbies. How does, In your view, how does like a newbie think about Bitcoin? Yeah, so it's 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 first of all, it's way different than on like crypto or Bitcoin Twitter. Um, I think uh, a lot of times um, we, you know, having been in the space and constantly learning and uh, compounding this knowledge that we, you know, we've gained over the years, uh, we forget what it's like to first learn about Bitcoin. And and so when we were creating Lolly, um, in you know, in the early days, uh, about a year ago, uh, we had to think like really hard about like who who is the customer. Who is the uh, consumer that has never heard about Bitcoin or just heard about Bitcoin and is literally Googling for the first time, how do I get Bitcoin? Like, what is Bitcoin? And when you start to bombard somebody with keys and block size and and all the different coins out there, it's just, it's overwhelming. And so I went, I don't know, like, um, you know, I got into Bitcoin about five years ago and was just fascinated with like, I mean everything, but really, like the the technology, it was it, it was it was one of the most transformative technologies I've ever seen. And I, you know, I've been building since I was twelve. Like I just, it's it's sort of like the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And we're so lucky that it's a part of like our generation and our life right now. And I would just sort of like like just like a magnet, just sort of like drawn to this thing. And and so when my mom started texting me, my sister, my friends from back home in North Carolina started texting me, how do I get it? Um, you know, what do I do? I didn't have a solution for them. I, I didn't want to tell them to go invest in it uh, because that's risky. I, I don't give financial advice for stocks. I don't give it financial advice for anything. So why would I give someone financial advice for Bitcoin? I didn't feel comfortable with that. And and so after, um, uh, my, you know, my my team and I, um, we're really talking about how do we solve this issue? Um, you know, the, there's so many smart people out there solving the infrastructure issues, but who is going to solve the distribution issue? Who's going to solve the education issue? And we've done a great job as a community to bring Bitcoin to probably around 15 to 20 million people. Um, how do you bring it to the next 100 million, the next billion people? And you can't just give them an address and expect them to go learn it. You have to give like give them bitcoin you have to teach them and and so yeah that's how we came up with lolly we made it really really simple we took something that a billion people do in the world shop online and made it incredibly easy for people to uh, earn bitcoin when they do something they're already doing 
Fantastic. I love the fact that you're really looking at this in terms of big numbers, right? So look, Bitcoin today is 10 years old. We're about 10 million, whatever it is, you know, 15, 20 million, whoever. But really, to get the next number, it's it's going to have to be something different and even better as an approach. One thing that we can consider is what what drew us into Bitcoin? And do you think what would draw could that be the same thing that would draw in more like the next wave or do you actually think it needs to be something different it's a great question um and, and we think about that a lot is like what is the value that bitcoin had to the early adopters and what is the value that it has to the next phase of adopters um when we started um you know concepting for for lolly um, you know, I went, I went back home to North Carolina. I, I went to Omaha, Nebraska. I went to Minneapolis, to Chicago, to, you know, all over the country. And I talked to the people that, you know, we've been talking to, um, you know, since I've been, since I built my last company. Um, and, and we asked them like, you know, what do you know? Like, what do you, you know, what, what is it, how does, how does Bitcoin make you feel? And the answers we got were just, I mean, it was the same thing. It was like, it's risky. I'm not sure what, like why. And, and so, you know, we, we really had to say like, like people were like, what, what can I do with it? And, and then we sort of reversed the questions and said like, well, you know, what is, what is money? Like, what is money to you? And one of my biggest takeaways um, in talking to, you know, potential first like early users was that people didn't know what money is. And, and once you start the value of money, start to see where money breaks down, then you start to see, um, how money serves you and what, and, and there's lots of types of money in the world, right? Like there's hundreds of currencies, there's uh, tons of stores of value, uh, depending on how you, how you look at it. You have to convince somebody that there's a better store of value than the U S dollar, than the, you know, Japanese yen. Like how do you convince somebody to do that? And I think you have to just get them involved. You have to teach them about sound money. You have to teach somebody like why it's important. Um, and we're lucky, like why I think this is the time and it, you know, it wasn't 20 years ago. It wasn't, um, it's not 20 years from now. Like we are frustrated. We're frustrated with our governments. We're frustrated with our banks. We're frustrated with, you know, the, uh, military that were frustrated with all these things around us. And we've never been in a world that has had so much information just thrown at us. Like we literally can look up anything in the world and we're just overwhelmed by it. And and we're, we're stressed. Like, and so when, when you finally start to realize like what, you know, what the value of money is in the world and, and who controls it, you start to realize you have very little control of the money that you thought previously was your money. So you start to ask questions and then you start to see, well, if there's no good answers, if there's no alternative to the U S dollar, then what is there? And Bitcoin came about and then it was just like, okay, well, here's the answer. And it's in, you know, code and it's, it's, it's just out there. It just, it just is. It's just this beautiful thing that we can all use. And we've never been like, you know, in addition to information, we've also never been so connected. So the internet brought information, the internet brought communication. And then we're, we're on these like old rails that have been around for decades. And, you know, and then we're like, wait a second, we can't, we can't actually transfer money. We can't actual, actually transfer value. And yet we're all hyper-connected. And so there's this, there's, it's like the perfect time where there's this tension and then there's an answer with Bitcoin. And that's why I'm really excited about it. 
Fantastic. Yeah. And now let me throw another slightly different way of thinking about it at you. So obviously I agree with many of the things you have said. Now, many people are not going to go to the level of understanding all oh, the economics and why do I hold money and so on, right? Because obviously there's a certain sound money camp, Bitcoin Austrian group who are into that. And we love that. But maybe the average person out there may not be so interested in that. However, there may be another reason why they might be interested from a psychology point of view. And one of my friends, Vijay Boyapati, um, prior guest of the podcast, also mentions this idea of being mentally captured by Bitcoin, right? And I think that's something that you as a company uh, may help trigger that in people by helping them own a small amount of Bitcoin. And then potentially if they see a next, see another bull run happen, that's at that, at that point, they may now come in from more of a speculation point of view. Do you have any comments on that? Yeah. So for better or worse, people are attracted to the price of Bitcoin. And it totally is like, you know, we, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't, um, you know, something that our, our, our users think about. Like they want to get into Bitcoin because they've seen other people make money from it. And it, it, it's um, the way that I like to think about it is it's a, it's a touch point. It, it, it's like, how many touch points does the US dollar have? Like you see, you use it every single day. You think about it all, you know, you think about it with transfer, but you don't actually think what's behind it. But when you can take a daily action, like buying coffee, getting groceries, go, uh, you know, booking a trip, getting a hotel, whatever these like daily touch points are, and you can provide someone with a reminder that Bitcoin exists and that it's, it's like, um, you know, what it is, and you can educate people with that. And then you can say, okay, well, here's the price and it's going up and down. It's a feature, not a bug, of like over the U.S. dollar. We all know what like one dollar is one dollar um, for you know through the U.S. dollar. And similarly, like you know, Bitcoin it, with just the perspective that our users have, they're looking at Bitcoin and they're seeing it go up and down, and they're getting excited by it. it it's sort of this dopamine rush, and so you know we have to lean into that, and we have to you know get people excited about Bitcoin um, by the price. Like I think that. We look at the price as like a, an, an extra uh, touch point for the user to uh, engage with Lolly, to engage with Bitcoin, and it, it'll get them excited. And clearly, you know, the more people that that get involved with it, that learn about it, um, yeah, I think that that sort of has a compounding effect. Fan, fa- fantastic. And so now let's talk about that distinction then between earning Bitcoin versus buying Bitcoin. Yeah. So when I first got into, um, uh, when I first learned about Bitcoin, um, it, all I knew is that you could mine it there. I, it was like, that's, that's all I, I was like, you know, I remember Googling it, like, how do I get it? And, and I, I was, you know, building a company at the time. I was like super fucking busy. I, can I, <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, <laughs> so I, I was like super, super busy and, and, but I just was like fascinated with it. So with my last company, we were, you know, building democratization of commerce. We were, uh, trying to create a technology that connected the entire world through commerce, gave everybody the ability to buy and sell anywhere. And then I learned about Bitcoin and it was like, wait a second, that is native in a currency and a store of value. And this currency connects the entire world from like day one. But how do you use it? And and so I did not buy, you know, a mining rig. I was not one of those like, you know, super early adopters. I didn't, you know, set up a node and, you know, I wish I did. Um, and and then Coinbase came out 
and gave me a easy on-ramp to like, you know, go buy a Bitcoin. And like, it was really exciting. I was like, okay, now I can pay attention to it with the price. I was checking it, you know, five times a day. And I was like fascinated with, with like what it could do. And I was sending money to friends and it just got really exciting. Then, you know, then I learned about private keys and then I, I just went deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole um, about like what it was, but all I needed was a little bit. It was you know, like, I didn't, you know, invest my life savings in it. It's not about that. Most people shouldn't do that. I don't think anyone should do that. It's going to take this slow transition. And so to answer your question, I think that the first phase was mining. The next phase was in investing. And if you look at it, investing just, you know, as, as a, um, as a group of people that invest, it's a very small population. It's a very small population that has the money to invest and that should ever invest. Um, you have to have like, a, you know, a knowledge about, you know, what you're investing in. And it's, it's a risky game to invest in anything like that, you know, that is volatile and especially as volatile as, as, um, as Bitcoin is. And, and so the next phase I think is about earning. It's, it's trading your time, your money for um, something that you can then earn um, in the future. So I think it's a very like low friction, low threshold, low risk way of taking something that you're already doing and earning. So um, I think that like we're going to take this group of people that is, you know, that shops online, gives them a little uh, a way to earn and you know, have this sort of like faucet into, you know, into Bitcoin. And then the, the next phase is like, okay, let's give them the ability to buy more Bitcoin. And every time you go buy $100 worth of groceries and you go get, you know, um, uh, five, you know, thou, uh, actually probably 20,000 Satoshis, then you're, you're constantly like shifting from fiat to Bitcoin slowly but surely. Yeah, that's a fascinating way to put it. And you know what's funny is these amounts may seem very small in Satoshis, right? So as we know, one Bitcoin is made up of 100 million Satoshis, right? And people have done the numbers. I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's something like if you split 21 million Bitcoin divided by the world pop population, the answer is something like 280,000 Satoshis, which today is like tiny. It's like, I think it's like, I don't know, $15 or something. It's tiny, not e maybe not even that. So it, it's kind of, it kind of gives you that perspective because people, when they're shopping with Lolly, they're going to get back a percentage in Bitcoin, in Satoshis. And that may seem small today, but in 5, 10, 15 years time, that actually may be a reasonable amount of money. In, in, entirely. And, and I, I think that, um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's a... It's important to understand the psychology of people outside of Bitcoin. Like there's a lot of, um, okay, so, so my last company was acquired by Ebates. And Ebates is the largest cashback uh, company in the US, uh, maybe, maybe world, um, don't quote me on that one, um, but largest, company, largest cashback company in the US. And while I was there, we learned a lot about like the user psychology of just shopping online. Like, you know, I've been building in the commerce space for seven years now have met every retailer in North America many times over and have been, um, you know, fascinated with, with commerce for a long time now. And part of, you know, building technology in the space is you have to understand who your customer is and how they shop. And so my, my customer for the last like seven years, you know, the consumer that I've been studying is not, is not the, the Bitcoin consumer. 
Like that's just, you know, on a personal side of just, that's myself. And you have to sort of abstract of like, it's not me necessarily, it's who your shopper is. And, and so the, while I think there's like, you know, the Bitcoin maximalists like might not shop a lot online, they travel a lot. They are, you know, they're get they, everybody has to eat. They have to get groceries. And so they've shifted from like Amazon to jet to get groceries. They've shifted from like, you know, Home Depot to overstock for like, you know, home goods. Like they've, they've like, I don't think people realize like people have made a lot of money using Lolly. It's not an insignificant amount. And Ebates, like, if you looked over time, there was, there was users that made thousands and thousands of dollars, like every year from their purchases. Um, like people have gotten better. It's kind of funny. Like I see all our users come in. I see I'm, I'm on every support ticket and like our users have gotten better at, at earning Bitcoin than I have using my own like using wallet. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a funny thing. It's like I you build something and you think you're going to be the best at using it, but like people have learned like how to make more Bitcoin like using our own technology and like stacking different um, you know points and everything. It's it's pretty cool to to watch. And we have not given out an insignificant amount of Bitcoin, especially to the like. I would say that our, our, you know, it's our, we're sort of split between 50% Bitcoin maximalist, 50% people brand new to Bitcoin and, and like one compounds on the other. Like we, I think we're the first app that somebody can like send to their mom, their sister, their friends from back home and say, you, you can earn Bitcoin now. Like this is the easiest thing you need your email and that's it. Like you start earning and you just shop as you normally would. It's dead simple and people have earned a lot using it. Yeah, I think one point you raised there, it's a really good one, is that obviously not everyone is monitoring Bitcoin Twitter and listening to Bitcoin podcasts and watching Bitcoin YouTubes. But if you're the type who is, like let's say you're a more hardcore Bitcoiner, chances are out of your group of friends, if someone comes to you and asks you, that you will be the one that they will come and ask to, how do I do this? How do I get Bitcoin? And people who are quote-unquote hardcore Bitcoiners need a, a way to point their friends down. And, you know, Lolly can be an example of, try, of one way to just get your friends who are not so into it just to try and get started with it. And ultimately, it's that uh, concept that I was mentioning with VJ Boyapati before. It's that people get mentally captured, right? Once they're in and they've sort of seen it, then they can start to really see, the, see why Bitcoin is better money um, by f- like obviously first by playing that sort of speculation game, then they start to understand why it actually might be a better better money. Um, and that's so, on yeah. us. Like if we, you know, I, we have all these users that are like, I mean, our, I, I all brag on our team a little bit, but our our support team's incredible. Like you know, that's the world we come from. And one of the things that I think is lacking in in the um, in the uh, you know, decentralized technology world is like there's. I mean, customer support is, is shit. Like I, I, I remember it, like, um, you know, working with, I won't name names, but like working with a few exchanges and like had an issue and it took them like six months to get back to me. You can't have, like, I, I wouldn't send my mom to that exchange. Like I wouldn't send my sister to that exchange. You need great customer service. So we've invested in customer service uh, from day one. Like we're, we we're educating our consumers. Like we have, mom from from like michigan like the other day she was like you know can you explain this thing to me can you send me some resources and so we, we put together a bunch of resources and we we, we send it to her so it's a two-part problem it's like you you can someone's excited because they saw bitcoin on the news on fox news on msnbc and then they, they they're like okay well how do i how do i earn it 
they find Lolly or a friend tells them about Lolly, it piques their interest. And then they're like, okay, I want to go earn some. Then you have to educate them. So um, sort of we think about it as like the consumer funnel. Who is the user? Like similar to any technology. I mean, it's, it's, it's not all too different than really anything. There's a funnel of, of users that are that know Bitcoin. We don't need to educate them. They, you know, they're fine. Some of the stuff that we might educate them might be even you know, too elementary. But then we have this other group of users that we have to educate them. We have to teach them throughout. So um, we're working on an education series with some you know, Bitcoin maximalists um, and, and content writers from like, you know, BuzzFeed and, and PopSugar and these fun um, publications about how to humanize Bitcoin, how to talk about it. Um, you know, we're, we're building games. We're building these like easy on ramps to just teach people about Bitcoin. And, and I'm like super excited about the next like six months stuff that we're going to be releasing. Um, going back to your original question about psychology um, and, and sort of uh, bifurcating these like two user groups and like, you know, we, we have, um, we have this user that we need to educate on and we have this user that like wants to earn more. The, the user that wants to earn more, that is the, you know, there's the Bitcoin uh, maximalist. You have to give something for them too, because them sharing Bitcoin has led to Bitcoin going up in value and more people knowing about it. They can send it to their friends. They can, you know, transact freely country to country. There's tons of value for them. But the psychology behind, you know, getting them involved is like, you can also earn by like sharing as well. So there's earn by sharing and then there's earn by shopping. And we've really broken it down into those two parts. So we're serving everybody. Yeah, that's fast. That's yeah, that's a great way to think about it as well. Um, I think it might be good now just to actually, if you wouldn't mind, just stepping through the the product. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we might just do a quick screen share. Um, but uh, I, I'm obviously cognizant. Well, I have you know thousands of audio listeners, so we'll just try and explain as we go through as well, just to try and keep it um, accessible for them as well. All right. Can you see my screen? Yes. Okay. So live demo, it's always, always fun. Um, all right, so I load uh, jet.com. Um, I, Lolly comes up, I activate it. It tells me it's been activated and now I can shop. Um, I can buy groceries, I can buy uh, home decor, I could buy soap, uh, whatever you're looking for, you can earn Bitcoin um, you know, when you shop. So. Um, yeah, so essentially it's just like a pop-up that comes in the top right when you go to the website and mm -hmm. you can just activate it that way. So is that just basically a browser extension? I was going to try myself, but obviously I'm in Australia, so I actually can't use uh, the product. Yeah, so right now, um, here, I'll share the, the full screen. Um, so I can show you the, the whole experience. Uh, can you see my screen? Yep. Okay, great. Um, so when I activate uh, Lolly, yeah, it's a, it's a browser extension. So the way to, the way to um, you go to lolly.com and then you click through to download the Chrome extension. And then once you've downloaded the Chrome extension, uh, it'll just live in your browser. And when you go to, uh, let's just say walmart.com, place that you know, everybody shops, uh, it comes up, uh, it does it automatically. And yeah, you can earn when you shop at Walmart and then you can check your balance. Um, you can see all these different uh, retailers. You can see exclusions. Um, 
and you can see how much you've earned. And then you can see your shopping history. And so it's tracking, you know, it shares uh, very transparent about like what, you know, what we're tracking, where, you know, showing where you've, where you've shopped. Uh, you can share it with friends. Um, yeah, we make it really easy. And then if you uh, want to, you know, sort of go, go sort of deeper into the Lolly universe, um, you can shop all of our stores here. Uh, we have a whole list of all the stores and this makes it really easy. And there's actually a lot of stores on lolly.com. Uh, that won't automatically pop up. So depending on the agreement that we have with the retailer, some like the, the pop-up that, that comes up and then other ones, um, you know, want people to come to lolly.com to, uh, to shop. So um, I think like, you know, if we go to SeatGeek, you can go buy tickets. Uh, we should try to make it really easy for people to earn with just about anything that you're going to do online. Fantastic. Yeah, it looks like a great um, user interface as well. It's quite simple. Thank you. Yeah, we worked really hard on that. Yeah, that's great. All right. So, look, I think it might be good to talk about then merchant adoption. So, can you tell us a little bit of insight into how that's gone for you? Yeah. So, so um, I think you know one of the things that I think my team um, is absolutely incredible at is like you know we've we've been building uh, technology in the commerce space for seven years now. So um, we're and I should know we're building Lolly with the same team as as Cosmic. Cosmic was my last company. Um, and you know, when we built cosmic, I think it was a pretty transformative technology. We were in the early inventors of, of buy buttons, giving people the ability to buy anywhere. And, uh, we talked to every retailer in, in North America, um, to, you know, to sell this technology and, uh, you know, landed like a lot, a lot of retailers, um, and ultimately got acquired by our biggest customer. And so, um, yeah, I think. Part of the thing I learned over the last seven years, and if I hadn't started Cosmo relationships with retailers, Lolly would be a whole different story. We wouldn't have as many merchants. Um, I wouldn't really understand the, the pain points of the merchants. And the same way that I think about psychology of the consumer, you have to think about the, the psychology of the, the merchant as well. Why do they want to play ball? Like, why do they want to be in this Bitcoin space? Like, they're fine in fiat in the fiat world. Like, Sure, like they they pay their fees to the credit card companies, to the acquiring banks, but like it works and like it's secure. So how do you incentivize and change the psychology there um, and incentivize them to actually play in our world? And that's that's I think a, you know a fascinating um, you know bit of like our um, success so far. We've give we I think we have uh, more major merchant adoption than just about anybody um, in in the space, and we've worked really hard to get it over the last year. So where my conversation started about a year ago was going to the retailers and really finding the pain points with like, you know, Fiat rails, um, understanding where, you know, where they were right now and, and who they have to pay and how much they, they pay. Um, and, you know, we, we, we asked a lot of those same questions with Cosmic. Um, but one of the biggest pain points right now is like everybody's competing with Amazon and they want more customers. They want more shopping to be done. And, and like they, they are happy to bring in a new customer. Like they don't quite care as much as you think they do about what they're paying with, what, like why they're, they're shopping. They like really want more shoppers. So we came to them and said, look, there's this whole community of people that want Bitcoin more than cash, more than the US dollar. We are going to go build this technology that distributes Bitcoin to them. And we're going to bring you these, these, you know, amazing, unique uh, users, uh, shoppers that are going to take their dollars from other 
places and shop at your site because you're offering them Bitcoin and nobody else is. And so, we, yeah, we, we, we've been able to uh, land. Let's see, we launched with over 500 merchants. Uh, it took us about six to nine months of like really hard, you know, BD. Um, and then since we launched, we've landed another 250 major merchants uh, since then. Um, and so it's different for everybody. But the common um, like shift in psychology for them is like they look at it like points, like they're giving points. And if you think of Bitcoin as points that you can use anywhere in the world with mm. very little rules, like the, po- the, the rules are around the code. Like it's it exists out there. And I can go and I, I explain this to people like I was in you know Thailand like a few months ago and I was like I went to a Bitcoin ATM and I exchanged my Bitcoin and I was able to like use that that, you know, Bitcoin anywhere in the world, it's points without barriers and every retailer knows points. So I think it was just like a simple shift in like the conversation to get them to understand it and adopt it. The next phase, you know, that we're starting to talk to retailers about is actually accepting Bitcoin. So of all of our retailers, there's about, uh, about 10 of 750 uh, and, you know, these like major fortune 500 uh, merchants that are accepting Bitcoin. And the next phase is about going to them and saying, like, okay, we've shown you that there's like, like, you know, Bitcoin, like the community is loud and we are like, we're proud of what we've, you know, accomplished and what we've built in this future that we're building. So we need to show them that like people want to use Lolly, people want to use Bitcoin. And once people have accumulated all this Bitcoin, now they want something to do with it. And, And so then over the next five years, it'll be shifting a lot of these retailers to saying, look, like we're going to give you an easy exchange, um, like lower fees. And if you can just pay with Bitcoin um, at all these retailers and the retailer can incentivize you to pay in Bitcoin, that's where the shift happens. That's where people start to rethink, okay, should I pay with my credit card or should I pay with Bitcoin? If you could earn an extra 1%, that fee that would have gone to an acquiring bank or gone to the credit card company, and you can change that mindset and say, I'm going to earn an extra 1% because I'm paying with Bitcoin. That's where the shift happens. And that's what we're, that's what we're doing. That's our mission over the next five to 10 years. Fantastic. And then how would that change the business model for you in terms of right now, it's say I spend a hundred dollars, I might get uh, $5 back in Bitcoin, something like that. How would that change then when people start spending directly with Bitcoin? Um, yeah. So, I mean, we, we cut out the middleman. I think that's like, you know, I was, <laughs> um, I, was, I, I went to this, like, uh, I, I try to like really understand who, uh, you know, we're up against and, and who we're working closely with. And uh, I went to this like banking conference uh, the other day, I th- you know, try to, I like to be involved in the, in the Bitcoin community, but to be honest, I think that it's like, you know, you need to understand who you're replacing. Like, um, and so I went to this banking conference and I was like, you know, one of the only, you know, Bitcoiners uh, there. And I was talking with like, you know, JP Morgan and like, you know, Fifth Third and all this. They don't even see it. They don't get like, we, I shouldn't say we don't need them because like they, I think they're going to adopt Bitcoin eventually. They have to, they have to be a secure, um, you know, holder of value and they have to adopt it eventually. But the things that we're doing right now are totally outside of anybody. Like, I think Square sees it. And I, I was, I, I told them, I was like, if you're not terrified of Square, like, are you, you know, what are you doing? And then they sort of like shrugged it off. And then two weeks after that, you know, Jamie Dimon's like, 
you know, uh, Square is the biggest um, threat to, you know, our business. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I wonder how that got there. <laughs> like, no shit. Um, and so like, yeah, people have to see, like, retailers have to see that it, it, it makes sense for them to accept it. It makes sense for them to share it through Lolly. Bankers have to see that they have to adopt it and they don't need to go launch their own coins to adopt it. Like, sure, like, you know, JP Morgan coins going to come out. All these people are going to launch their own coins, but that's just going to compound on itself and come back to Bitcoin as we all do. We've all, I, I think we've all, you know, been at fault for buying an altcoin because it looked all bright and shiny at some point over the last five years. Like, I'm guilty of it. Um, you know, w- will I shill it? No, I will. I like, I believe that I will share things that have value. And, and that's how we get people to adopt things. Like the bankers will adopt Bitcoin. They will, they'll ha- they have to adopt Bitcoin. They're already starting to adopt it. Um, and so um, this next phase is about showing people that these rails exist. I think Lightning is an unbelievable project that is showing people that you can transact fi- like very, very quickly on chain, you know, send on another layer, you know, interact with, with Bitcoin. Um, and it's terrifying like to, 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 if you ever looked at a map of like what's happening when you go pay at Target at Walmart and you see like what your where your money is going and how many people are involved and then you right next to it you put uh, Bitcoin and you know the transaction that happens it is beautiful it's just simple it just makes sense and you don't need you know all these parties to to transact and so it's our our mission to to show people earn first then start accepting Bitcoin. Um, and that's how I think we change the world. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I think the cool thing with that is, as you mentioned, like it may just be the step along the way. So they may start with, okay, here's a discount for, for here's a discount, um, you know, and you get that back in Bitcoin. And then the next step is accepting Bitcoin directly. So I think it's all kind of in stages there. Uh, okay, the next topic I was really keen to discuss with you, Alex, is just around privacy. So I know, obviously, lately, there have been many data breaches, and people are losing their, you know, companies are just, many of them are not securing their customers' data correctly. How do you think about maintaining customer privacy? Uh, yeah, so it's it's one of our highest uh, priorities um, at, at Lolly, and it was it was our, you know, one of our highest priorities um, at, at Cosmic as well. Um, part of, you know, a lot of it is like, you know, who's the team, who's the core team that's building this. And, uh, Matt, uh, my co-founder, uh, CTO, uh, he is a, like, he's obsessed with privacy. He, when I met him, he was building a, um, an app, an application, an app called, uh, frame, which was a private photo sharing app with bank level encryption. Like <laughs> he's, yeah, he, he cares about privacy. It has to start at the core team and the, the core team has to care about privacy. Um, and and yeah, that's what our team uh, cares about. And we've shown it over the years. Like with with Cosmic, um, you know, we're, we're early in, in the days of, of Lolly. And so, um, but with Cosmic, we, we showed, um, you know, we were PCI level one compliant. We didn't have to be PCI level one compliant. Um, we, one of our claims to fame as a team was we survived the target uh, data breach um, we, we landed target as a client and about, uh, a weekend we're sitting around, um, and pull up, you know, 8am pull up Reddit, uh, 40 million credit cards breached. And, uh, and you know, the first reaction was like, you know, we had just gotten access to their API. Like, did we do it? Um, and I turned to Matt and I was like, did we do that? And, and, uh, he was like, no, I don't think so. So, um, we ended up like 
learning a lot of, you know, from ourselves about security uh, uh, on the on the payment level. Um, and I think there's a lot that the Bitcoin community can learn from payments, uh, from compliance. Like we're all setting the standards. Like you know, everybody is sort of coming together. You know, we're we're talking with Lightning, we're talking with talking with all these you know, companies, and we all have to come together and do what the payment industry did, where we we set this compliance, we set these standards. Um, but yeah, I think we're we you know we need to be the leader of that um, because uh, the, you know users' data is important. We're in this sort of um, interesting territory too, where we have like sharing data between two parties is not a bad thing. It's what you share between the two parties that is important, and you have to be transparent in what you share. And so, like with, with us, we have to communicate to the retailer that this user, user X, bought you know these groceries from your site and spent this this amount of money and and that's a secure transaction of data that like you're already giving them your credit card information you're giving them deeper level of data than you're giving us and or anything we just need the data to be able to show that this person actually bought something using lolly and then we reward them with their bitcoin um but yeah we keep it super like we, we try to collect as little data as possible uh we don't want your data uh, we want we want you to be able to earn Bitcoin. That's our that's our mission. So staying true to that is is going to be extremely important um, over the next you know five ten years. Yeah, and I think the other comment there is also just around um, de-anonymization. So you know, let's say somebody gets a hold of somebody's spending history, or they try and use that to try and impinge on someone's privacy. Is that an aspect that you? you were considering as well? There's not really, a, I mean, it's not really, I, I don't see a way unless, um, I mean, you could go hack Ebates and like, I, I the, the, the data is, I mean, the data is that, uh, that's out there is like, if you, <laughs> you know, not a challenge, but like, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's, it's one of those things is like, yeah, you would see that somebody shopped at jet.com. You wouldn't see mm. what they bought. We don't, we don't, want to know what you bought we right. want to know that you spent a hundred dollars and that yeah. that you're getting three and a half percent back or you're getting you, yeah. know, you you shopped at priceline and you know you uh got thirty dollars when you you know you got a hotel yeah. like we don't, yeah, yeah. We, don't want, we don't want to know any information so like there's not really that much value in you know part of <laughs> you know part of like why people hack companies is like is there like value behind it? like there's we're not holding sensitive information about these people. Yeah. We, we, we know like that, that somebody like went to um, like Hotwire and bought something. Um, but yeah, we don't want to store your information. We don't want to store sensitive information and the information that we do store, we store securely, um, you know, bank level encryption. Like we're not, um, it, we, we learned a lot from the payment industry and we saw yeah. a lot of people that tried to compete with cosmic fail because they didn't like, like when we survived the target breach, it was this validation that like you can win when you care about privacy. You can win when you care about security. And we built way slower than a lot of our competitors. But when the target breach happened and everybody freaked out about privacy and everybody freaked out about security and everyone got like, you know, the limelight, you know, put, put on them, like we won. Like that's yeah. in the long run. And you look at Apple right now. They are like one of the only companies that has given a shit about privacy and they've won because of it. And, and Facebook is failing because of it. And so like the best product and the best story will always win in the long run. And so you can like, you know, build whatever you want and you can like, 
collect whatever data you want. And, and it's a lot of like short-term thinkers that are like building with that in mind. But when you're building with the, with the consumer mind and you're building with the, you know, the, the notion and sort of the North star and like that, that your user's information is important and privacy is important. Like, you know, that's the long game and that's, that's the game that we're playing. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I think another angle that Bitcoiners will be interested to discuss um, will be around custodianship of Bitcoins. And then obviously the aspects around custodial versus sovereign holding of keys, fully validating, etc. cetera. Uh, can you offer just some thoughts on that? Yeah. So that's a, that's a question. Um, it's a really good question. And it, I'm glad you brought that up because um, I, you know, there's a debate in like the, you know, the, in, in Bitcoin um, Twitter of like, should people even have custodian wallets? What do they serve the community? Um, and I'm on, I'm on like, you know, I think there's like, it's both. That's what it comes down mm. to a lot of times is there's not one answer. And if you believe that people are going to, going to adopt Bitcoin without custodian wallets, it's just wrong. Like that's, I mean, it's, it's naive to think that that is how people will adopt Bitcoin. Bitcoin at its core is too difficult to understand just like being thrown at, at like at somebody and having these really, really high expectations of what someone has to do to, to come on board. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, there is value in, in custodianship. Like there's value in like bringing somebody on and teaching them and it's the mission and it's, it has to be the North star of these companies that are doing custodian to shift people, to teach them about keys, to teach them. So it's, and, and like, it kind of goes back to like, you know, um, like what I was saying with Apple and privacy, if you build with the intent of keeping somebody like absolutely um, like if, if you teach somebody that custodianship is the only way, then you will lose like the best product will, will win. And so you have to teach people like, yeah, you should go buy a hardware wallet. You should go diversify. You should go, you know, have um, uh, cold storage. Like you should go uh, like learn about, all these different types of storage and then make the best decision. But it's our job to educate. But at first you just, you have to like get, make it easy. And, yeah. and so we're on the, in the camp of making it dead, simple, super easy to earn, hold it. And then if you can sort of visualize, um, I, won't, I won't pull up our, um, our roadmap, but if you can sort of visualize how the product evolves, think of it like levels. You see somebody and it's like, I'm earning my Bitcoin. It's going up. It's going up. It's going up. You're earning, earning, earning. It's a daily touch point. And then over time, you you can like maybe earn a thousand Satoshis if you um, transfer to your own wallet, if you learn about private keys, if you learn about key store management, if you have your own node. And so every single time you, we, we want to incentivize people to earn more, the, the more that they're learning. And, and so that's where it kind of goes back to like the user psychology start them like, like a, my first, you know, Bitcoin wallet, and then let them learn more and let them continue to like earn more and learn about private keys and, 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 uh, and key management. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. I think ultimately, <clears throat> while we as Bitcoiners want people to be fully sovereign, fully validating, the reality is people will do what they can do. And it, in any competitive market, there will be some who, you know, come up with the easiest approach, right? And probably the easiest approach 
it, it, in fairness, right now is custodial. Now there are a lot of effort. There are a lot of efforts being put in by Bitcoiners to try and make it easy for people to go fully full node self sovereign. Um, but it's probably a recognition that right now it's the easiest path is custodial. Um, but if there is at least uh, a, a path that that Bitcoin newbie is being taken on to try and learn more about Bitcoin, hopefully once they sort of become more mentally captured, then they do at that point try and learn to be more self-sovereign. Yeah. And, and like, I mean, I'm my first few years, I wasn't self-sovereign. Like I, I use custodial and I'm, I'm like, you know, I've been building technology since I was 12. Like I, I would, I'm, you know, on the, the spectrum, like on, in the top, like, you know, probably, one percent of people who like should understand how to how to do this and how how like um you know this all works and it took me a long time and and so you can't like you could assume that this next generation of kids are just gonna like understand what bitcoin is because they're like you know they grow up seeing it on cash app they're they grow up seeing it on lolly like it's part of it's going to be part of their curriculum. It's going to, they're going to see it online. They're going to see your, you know, your, your videos, your podcasts. Like there's so many people that are talking about Bitcoin right now that they're going to just know. It's like, it's kind of like what we grew up with and what we knew about having a social, you know, social security number or having um, any sort of like, like understanding how banking works, understanding how like balancing a checkbook, like, junior achievement in, in the US like there's going to be classes that like you know teach people and if they don't learn then they're going to lose their money like it's this tax on not learning and not understanding how the world works and that's true with all things like if you really boil down like how humans evolve like the smartest humans evolve and like you end up like earning more money you end up passing that money down you end up like controlling your time more like with every growing technology especially in, in, in this world of information where we have where more people than ever have access to information it's a free-for-all if you're not learning if you're not uh, like understanding how the world works like you're gonna get left behind yeah there's a lot there there's a lot that people have to learn and you're right many people do come in in a non-self-sovereign way and then learn to th- then become more self-sovereign so i think it's not necessarily reasonable to expect that everyone who comes in is fully um, doing it the right, the, you know, the quote unquote, the right way. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there are some good comments. I think also it might be good to just talk a little bit about more like roadmap, what you have coming down the line for Lolly. I think um, that might be an interesting discussion. Yeah. So, so largely, I mean, our roadmap is is shaped by our users um, you know, we have a really clear idea of the, you know, the high level of, you know, where, where Lolly goes. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's um, important to think about both of our customers and, and as, as we evolve, like, yes, we want to integrate lightning and we've played around with it a lot on just, you know, on, like behind the scenes. Um, I, I love what, you know, Elizabeth and the, and the team um, are building over there. I think it's incredible and it's going to change the world. Um, but you, you know, a lot of what we're focused on is what is our, what are our users demanding? And, and so right now, like, you know, we're announcing some really exciting partnerships. There's been partnerships that we've been working on for a year now. Um, And, 
And so there's like over the next six months, we're, we're announcing some really, really exciting partnerships. Um, that's been, um, I think that's going to be really fun and like uh, give people more places to, to shop. Um, one of the experiences, you know, we're, we're really excited about is, is providing a mobile experience, um, giving people the ability to have, again, more touch points, more places to earn um, and taking not just online shopping, online travel, lots of touch points there and providing more touch points than like a daily activity, uh, you know, going and earning when you uh, go to the coffee shop, going and earning, um, paying your friends, like making it a more daily activity and, and having more touch points um, is, is a lot of what the, the product is focused on. And then, you know, we, we already have the ability, like you can bring your own address, you can transfer money in and out. Um, and so giving people like more flexibility and teaching people when there's an off ramp and there's an easy off ramp um, into either back to us dollar, if somebody wants to you know transfer to us dollar or into their own address and teaching them about that. Um, we're working with some really awesome, smart uh, people um, in the Bitcoin community, as I said, uh, about teaching people and how to humanize it. Uh, so uh, releasing like a content series, uh, releasing a blog um, and, and uh, pretty excited about a lot of that. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think there's a really bright future ahead here with Lightning partnerships, the content series, as you mentioned. It, it, the future is going to be a lot more mobile as well. People will use mobile for a lot of shopping. Um, I've just got a couple last few questions, I think, just more for the Bitcoiners, just to understand around how they can withdraw. So when they earn Bitcoin into Lolly, how does it work around the withdrawals? Uh, yeah, so... Um... You go to uh, lolly.com um, forward slash account and you can withdraw at like, I think it's, we have a $15 uh, in US dollar uh, threshold. So once you've earned your, your Bitcoin um, and I think that, you know, typically takes like, a few purchases. Um, once you've earned Bitcoin, you can transfer it to your own wallet. Um, you know, we bring your own address policy. Um, and then you can also transfer to, you know, your US dollar bank account if, if you want. Um, all we need is, is your email and uh, first name, last name. So there's not a, a tricky off ramp. And I think, you know, we, 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 that's exciting. I think for the hardcore Bitcoin community that doesn't want, uh, you know, to get, give their social security number out. Like, I don't want your social security number. I just want an easy off ramp, um, you know, for, for those, for those users. But then, you know, to a new crypto user, we have to give them a really easy way, a uh, really easy off ramp. Um, as well to like teach them about um, you know it, it keys and key management so you can put in your address we'll send you uh, your bitcoin and yeah keep it really easy on on both sides fantastic yeah i think that's um yeah it's an interesting thing that many bitcoiners will want to know but then obviously as people more and more people learn they'll they'll get into that as well um also is your offering in the u.s only or yeah, U.S. only, and we're uh, announcing a, a new a, another country soon. Um, and so, yeah, stay stay tuned for that. But um, I, I think one of the, my biggest learnings from my previous company is is focus. Um, I I want to do everything today. Sure, like if I could just snap my fingers and and do it, but that's not how great products get built, and that's not how we change the world. If something breaks, if we were to, you know, um, have a security vulnerability. If we were to like not be able to uh, serve our customers, eat, like 
it's done. Like there's no, you know, it, it's, I don't, I don't want to, I, we're going to build it right and we're going to focus on the U S and then we're going to expand. Um, so we've had a lot of demand um, in, in international. Um, and the, the nice part is, is like the retailers are supportive of the international. That was part of the original sales pro- like process is like, they want to serve an international consumer. The whole world's connected through information. So shouldn't the whole world be connected through commerce? I should be able to go buy, you know, something from Australia. I should be able to, be able to buy from, you know, from my favorite brands in Japan and everybody should be able to transact freely. That's where it gets really exciting. And you, 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 um, you know, you, you kind of mentioned it earlier. It's like the merchant adoption. How does that, how, how does that merchant adoption get even more pervasive? Like it's not just cross-border fees. Like a lot of people don't know this, but you know, it's not just the, the, the fee, the credit card fees, it's the chargebacks. Bitcoin, like a feature, when I go tell, tell, teach people, uh, you know, all our 750 merchants about Bitcoin and I tell them it's immutable, like when you're buying something, there's no fraud. Like if you're buying something, you, you went and bought it, like that Bitcoin's gone. If you, if you're buying something, you're going to get that item and like the retailers perk up and they're like, oh, that solves a lot of our issues. And retailers have like 10 to 20% um, fees, like chargeback fees that they experience when somebody buys internationally. So when we're coming in, we're not just solving the problem of the you know one percent, the two percent that the acquiring banks and the credit card companies take. We're solving that like ten percent fee. That gets really exciting when we go international. So we're totally incentivized to go international. We're really excited about it. We've already it's on our roadmap, um, and yeah, we're we're building as fast as we can. So uh, the more users that we have, the more people that are using Bitcoin. Uh, the faster we're going to be able to grow and the more we're going to be able to uh, expand. So yeah, I share it with your friends, like, you know, I'll, I'll shamelessly plug Lolly. It's, you know, yeah, yeah, life. definitely it's, tell, tell the yeah. listeners, um, you know, because we're pretty much getting to time anyway. So let's tell the listeners where they can go to follow Lolly and to follow you. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, um, try Lolly is our, is our um, handle uh, lolly.com. L O L L I. Uh, dot com probably put a link below um yeah and you go on download it uh share it with your friends family um and yeah look forward to sharing bitcoin with with uh, the world fantastic yeah look so i think that's that's great um i think the stuff you guys are doing is excellent i think um you know bitcoiners go check it out and tell your friends um, and so look, as we close out the episode today, if you've enjoyed the discussion and you want to help me out, make sure to, um, don't forget to give it a thumbs up and a like, make sure you subscribe to the channel because we've got, um, more episodes coming. Um, but, uh, that's pretty much it for this episode. So thanks very much everyone. And, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Okay, guys, that was the episode. Let me know your thoughts on trying to do this as a YouTube stream first and then turning that into an audio podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can find it by searching Stefan Lavera. And as usual, you can find show notes on my site, stefanlavera.com. Don't forget to retweet and share the episode and press like on YouTube if you can. Thanks very much for your help, guys. Chat next time.